So the ministry where I work, we've got a saying about God and those who are willing to call on him for help. We say that God will fix a fix to fix you. Now, it would seem that perhaps President Biden is familiar with this term, only he thinks he's God because he is currently fixing a fix to fix you. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for choosing to check out this podcast. This is Right All Week. I'm your host. My name is Dave. And if you would like to engage with me on any of the remaining social media platforms where people like myself are still welcome, you can look for the username at Right All Week. If you'd like to send an email, the address is rightallweek at gmail.com. If I'm still on the YouTube, then do please like, subscribe, share the content if you can. Do that with all of these things, audio, video, however you're engaging right now. Uh, please do share that with everyone. It's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for those who are going to be exposed, whether they agree or they don't. It's very important, especially right now, where things like speech and content and freedom of thought, in fact, is uh, is currently under assault. So do it for those purposes. I want to get into today specifically talking about what's going on with the president and the new president that is now officially the president that is Biden who is going crazy with the executive orders. I've seen a lot of content, people talking about the sheer volume of how many there are. And sure, there's plenty, you know, people making comparisons. He's done more in a couple of weeks that are almost as much in a couple of weeks as Trump did in an entire year. And other things, you know, people pointing out he's on track to, to basically be on par with someone like FDR, who literally did multiple thousands uh, during his time as president. And these things are true, but uh, not a lot of people have been really digging into what these executive orders are actually, like, what is he executing, right? So that's kind of the important part. Honestly, the number doesn't matter. The content matters as much as the volume or more, uh, the content matters more than the volume. So I want to dig into that today. I haven't seen a whole lot. I'm not trying to be like super unique here. I just think that this is a need. Like we need to know. So here's what I've done. I got my trusty laptop here in front of me and I've got the list. It's not an in uh, a complete list actually. It's an incomplete list, but I want to go over the things that are currently being published online that we know what President Biden is signing in. So I don't know if these are specifically like in the, they might be in the order that they were signed. They might be in numerical order because each one gets an absolute number. Uh, that's probably the order that we're going to go in. See, each one of these comes with a, a title description. So uh, this would be uh, number one, I guess, one of the first that he signed. He signed several at, right to, at the, the, first, the first day he was in on January 20th. So this is one of those. Advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government. Now, the larger argument might be about what that means with regard to racial equity and whether or not we've gotten that. Uh, I think the more important argument that we should have is what the government's job is and whether or not it's the government's job to do exactly what he's going to be saying that he wants to do, what this executive order demands. And uh, just to be upfront with you, I don't want to go over all of the content for each one, just want to address what they are, so I'm not going to get in and read like a super diagnostic of uh, the verbiage in every single one of these. That would take a long stinking time. But just on the face of it, though, we know that the time it would take for us to dissect all of these, I mean, somebody actually did take all this time. So there was a lot of planning, a lot of preparation that went in at the f before he was in there to make sure that he could do all this stuff on day one. So 
Just think about all of the sheer level of planning and the effort, the work, the time, the investment to make all of this stuff happen as fast as it is happening. So that's the first one. We're going for, for racial equity, and we're going to use the federal government to do it because the government's so good at everything, apparently. Number two, ensuring a lawful and accurate enumeration and apportionment pursuant to the decennial census. So... The last word pretty much clarifies it for you, right? We're talking about the census. And this is the one where we know we're going to be counting people who technically aren't American citizens. We're going to basically make it sound like citizenship itself isn't really that important. We just need to know if you're here, and then we can make our plans for the people who are here regardless of their citizenship. So that's the, pretty much the point of that one. At which point, I, I don't understand. I mean, the, the borders already, we know that they're not really concerned with that, and now they're not going to be really concerned with uh, citizenship with regard to the census, so we're just going to be, I guess, uh, the government's going to be everybody's solution for everything all the time, and pretty soon we'll just have to include, what, everybody? There's going to be $8 billion, uh, included in the census for the United States, perhaps, but that's the goal for that one. Number three, organizing and mobilizing the United States government to provide a unified and effective response to combat COVID-19 and to provide the United States leadership on global health and security. That is a mouthful of a title description. Uh, this was number three. This was signed on January 20th, along with several others. This idea now that the United States is going to be providing leadership for the unified response, and the, the quote-unquote effective response now, so that we can come after COVID-19. A disease with a fatality or a, depending on your age range. But for most of us, your, your threat level is 0.00003%. Uh, so that's what they're going after. And they, I find it interesting, honestly, and this will be a pattern you can find through every one of these that I'm going to reference, that these people who are currently in control right now, I'm referring to the cabinet, the legislature, the, the majority of those who are on the left who are now responsible for the leadership of the United States and the position that they take now. They were all accusing Trump of narcissism, of hubris and arrogance, and the people who tried to lead in the ways that he did, and the way that they attacked them for being condescending and thinking that they were better and all the rest of this. But here we are. Now we have a executive order that specifically says that the United States is going to be providing global leadership on health and security. Uh, nobody got hubris on this one. Nobody got arrogance. We really don't think, uh, what happened to the United States exceptionalism being a problem? Well, apparently that only applies when somebody is talking about it from a historical perspective on the right. When you're in the left and uh, you're in the leadership, then of course the United States needs to be the one to take the lead because who could do it better? Number four, preventing and combating the discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. Now, there's actually more than one of these that gets into here. I personally feel like it doesn't even need to be necessary. Maybe this is somebody trying to get some points because we already had just last year, we had the court case where the Supreme Court decided that just because we referenced sex in the, uh, the employment equal opportunity, because it's already in there, 
that everybody's sexual orientation is automatically included. But I guess that doesn't matter, so we needed to provide something a little bit more clear, uh, just in case the law of the land doesn't get to be determined exactly by the Supreme Court, even though that's pretty much how we've been rolling for my whole life. Uh, but now here we go. We're also going to protect gender identity. So whatever you choose for your gender, never mind whatever the facts are, what the objective reality, what empirical science tells you, or what chemical, biological, and the history of scientific discovery tells you, the most important thing now is what you think up here. Crazy or not doesn't matter, but we're no longer allowed to discriminate based on that. So... That's number four. Number five, ethical commitments by the executive branch personnel. Now, this is one I would think that doesn't honestly make a big deal. He could write several of these, and it wouldn't be that much. It wouldn't have a whole lot of effect. The idea is that, hey, we're as the executive branch now. We're deciding what is our ethics going to be, how are we going to conduct ourselves, and depending on how you define ethics, that's it might be good, it might be bad, but my bigger point here is that it applies specifically to them. They are deciding how they're going to conduct business in the White House, in the executive branch, in his staff, and all the rest of it, and he can write as many of those as he want to. Number six, protecting public health and the environment and restoring science to tackle the climate crisis. Never mind the fact that it's truly, there is no such thing as quote-unquote settled science. Uh, what this really means is we're going back to scientism. Then uh, you guys can check out some books on this. There are a number of books, people talking about the fact that it is not a uniform, universal uh, uh, belief straight across the board that every scientist who ever did anything was, uh, totally agrees with the so-called climate threat. Not to say that there isn't one, uh, but I think maybe we've learned a lot in the last year that maybe everything they say is a crisis, maybe they're not all actual crises. Maybe there is a such thing as a manufactured crisis. And what better one to pick than the fact that, oh my gosh, we will all literally die if we don't change the way that we live. So I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And of course, we're going to be doing things. There's more than one about this too, about climate stuff. And we know we're going to be rejoining the Paris Accord and other stuff like that. So number seven, protecting the federal workforce and requiring mask wearing. If you work for the government, if you're a part of the federal program, if you're a federal employee, well then now you absolutely have to. You got to do it. This mask has got to be on your face or you're breaking the rules of your employer. And I guess, you know, you, that could be grounds for punishment, consequence, termination. I don't know because... In my experience, federal workers are like the people with the most job security. So this might be an interesting uh, exception to the rule. But again, this one actually specifically applies kind of where his authority lies, and it doesn't really affect the rest of us. But you know how the media is going to run with this. They're going to say that we should all be doing it. What's next? Number eight, revocation of certain executive orders concerning federal regulation. This one pretty much is, hey, we got a list of things that Trump did that we don't like, and we have to undo the the damages, quote-unquote, all of the destruction, quote-unquote, all of the ways in which Trump made life either, you know, he thought he was making things better, but they're going to look at it and say, these are all the detrimental things that he's done, and we have to take away as many as we can as fast as we can. So that's pretty much what this one is about, which is why executive orders are the worst way to govern. But we've kind of been on a pattern here for a while. Ever since uh, Obama's, uh, his famous line, I got a phone and a pen. And since then, this has pretty much been the way we've been running things. So as it was predicted, uh, the next guy who gets in there, he's going to make changes. And the next guy who comes after that, he's going to make changes. So anytime you do something like this, you're pretty much just deciding how it's going to be while you're in charge. And then whoever comes next, he's going to write his own. All right, number nine, 
revision of civil, immigra civil immigration enforcement policies and priorities. And maybe you heard about this one on the news, the fact that there were places who were responsible for holding criminal immigrants. We're talking about people who were, not only would they break the law by coming here and staying here illegally, but they've broken the law in another way. They've committed some kind of another crime. And we were holding these folks, and many of them, the, the plan is just to deport them, because why would we just keep socking our tax dollars into maintaining this person's livelihood when they weren't supposed to be here in the first place, and they've already proven not only do they not care about our rules when they come here, but they also don't care about our rules while they live here, which is one of the main arguments that we have on the right. Like, uh, let's stick with the guys who actually care about the rules and prove that they care about the rules by following the rules when they come here. But uh, this is a, a slap in the face of all that. They really don't care. They have a whole other agenda that has way more to do with power than actually protecting any of their citizens. And that's why they're now saying, oh, we're not deporting these folks. We're not holding these folks. So it doesn't matter how many women he's raped or how many people he's killed or what other crimes he's committed, how many dollars he's stolen. All of these things are irrelevant. Uh, that guy's an American by proxy and you got to let him go. And uh, there was some stuff in the news about how that went down. Number 10, ensuring a data-driven response to COVID-19 and future high-consequence public health threats. So now they're tacking on, notice this, future public health threats. So high-consequence future public health threats. I guess our definition of high-consequence, though, is going to be anything that threatens people with an average of, what was it, 0.2%? That in included the large majority, the biggest people who had the greatest number of threat were people who were retired, who were older, who had other health concerns. Uh, that was where most of that stuff comes from. And I already referenced the survival rate for the rest of us who are, who are younger, who live normal, healthy lives. Uh, so I guess, but that's going to be like the new benchmark. How dangerous is it? Well, is it worse than COVID? Is it similar to COVID? Uh, it looks like it might be. So now we're going to have a quote-unquote data-driven response. Oh, yeah, like the last data-driven response we had, right? Where it was changing almost every week. The CDC flip-flop positions multiple times. The experts at the task force, quote-unquote experts, they flipped their positions several times. Gosh, even Fauci, who's still out there now, who I think now we know who he really was all along, not just Wormtongue, but... Yeah, uh, he was definitely a traitor from the get-go. And he's flipping positions. Oh, yes, double masking. It just makes common sense to five days later. Well, we don't actually have any data to support that it does anything. Oh, see, so data-driven responses from the experts on any future high threat level uh, health public threat. Number 11, ensuring an equitable pandemic response and recovery. So this could be applying to the ones you're currently in. It could be applying to future stuff. Uh, I'm looking at a list that has links to some and, and others that doesn't really have a link. So this one, I don't know what the content is. I just know it based on its description. We're looking for an equitable. Oh, there's that. They love this equity thing. So maybe this has to do with the fact that in some places, the numbers, there seem to be a disparity between the different racial groups and who was getting sick and who was dying. So I don't know how they're going to do that. They're going to, I guess the goal here is to make sure that when there's a pandemic, the virus follows the rules and doesn't exercise any discrimination. We'll see how that goes. Good luck. Number 12, establishing the COVID-19 pandemic testing board and ensuring a suitable public health workforce for COVID-19 and 
other biological threats. So now this one, we definitely know we're looking forward to other things that might be similar in nature. Uh, but hey, it wasn't enough to have a task force. It's not enough to have the CDC who's currently out there like basically issuing their own version of executive orders that I guess now we all have to follow because, you know, you elected those guys to represent you too, right? But uh, now we're going to have a whole other board. And this board's primary responsibility, the pandemic testing. That's their primary thing. And then, of course, to make sure that there's a suitable health workforce. This could be interesting, what their definition of a suitable health workforce is. Just imagine, though, who we're talking about. What is their definition of a workforce? What is it supposed to look like? We've got to make sure we have the right number of ladies on there. We've got to make sure we have the right number of uh, homosexuals on there. We've got to make sure we have the right number of people with gender dysphoria or uh, gender identity disorder, right? They got to make sure you, you meet all the right benchmarks. Uh, that's their definition of a suitable workforce. So you can look forward to that. It's number 13. Uh, I think now we, we finally hit uh, this day two. All right. Improving and expanding access to care and treatments for COVID-19. So a lot of these, as you could tell, we're, we're addressing the current threat, which Apparently that whole data-driven thing was all nonsense. This is all BS, broken science. They aren't interested in it actually because all of the information that we have currently would be telling us that we're really not, that none of this is really that necessary, that we are very well equipped to address anybody who has any concerns, anybody who has any issues. We've got what we need, but... Uh, but maybe they don't have what they want, see? So that's really the issue that they're going here. So they're going to improve and expand treatments. And they're also going to, number 14, promote COVID-19 safety in domestic and international travel. So now we're going to tell people, hey, how you're, what guidelines, what rules, what health concerns, the things that you're supposed to be doing to make sure that you're keeping it healthy for you and for everyone else. It's uh, a lot of stuff on this list. You can see it's for your own good. Number 15, protecting worker health health and safety, another very generic thing. It doesn't actually give you a link or a description to what is included in this one. And I haven't heard a lot about it. There are several of these I haven't heard much about, which is why I felt like I should do this today. Number 16, supporting and the reopening and the continuing operation of schools and childhood education providers. This one turns out to be a real hot button issue right now because for almost a year, we've had schools that were shut down. And it didn't matter what we were trying to say, how important it was to make sure that children don't get neglected. There are lots of places in the United States where that's pretty much where the kids get like almost everything that they need. We pro they provide meals, they provide daycare, they provide tutoring, they provide extracurricular activities. They provide things like uh, health checkups. They look in the eyes and, and in the hearing, and then they look and make sure that they're not having any nutritional issues. And we discover a lot of times that there were domestic abuse situations, and these were all falling through the cracks. And you know what? It didn't matter to the people who are in the, the teachers' unions. The teacher unions were getting paid to do nothing or next to nothing if they had like a virtual school situation going on. But they were getting, you know, just collecting their paychecks and they didn't have to go to work. And their argument was, oh, well, it's not safe. And you know how we're going to make it safe? We're going to make it safe by you uh, de demilitarizing or defunding the police and eliminating charter schools and eliminating Christian schools and you know, basically eliminating all competition for the public school. And like, oh, but we can't have those because they might reject kids. Never mind the fact that you you've been rejecting kids for a year 
literally. Okay, Thomas Sowell has been talking about the importance of choice for people to be able to choose which school is best for their children. And other people have been advocating, hey, we should be reallocating the funds, especially for people like me. I've got kids and they've spent a little bit of time in the public schools because it doesn't, they don't totally reek down here in Florida, but uh, there are a lot of things happening in a lot of schools that make many of us go, how about no? How about we don't send our children to these re-education camps, which is really a weird position for somebody like me to now go, well, actually people need those things for all the reasons that I just referenced. And now finally, after a year, the president and the new administration is saying, well, we've got to reopen. And meanwhile, they're actually in competition with some other folks on their side of the debate going, well, but what about these other things we were supposed to get first? Because they really don't care about the kids. So it'd be really cool to capitalize on this time and do the things like choice and do the things like the money follows a child. Because people like me who don't put their kids in school, I still have to pay my taxes, the taxes that are allocated to pay for the local school that my kids don't go to. And because I still want them to get an education, well, I have to pay double because now I'm I'm paying for the actual education that they are getting in addition to the education that they're not getting and it's totally unfair but that's what they want that's how they do it and it's a good time to fix stuff like that number 17 a suitable public health supply chain it sounds like an attempt to take some credit for what's actually already happening so let me m make an example of that president biden says right out the gate oh i want to see a hundred million vaccines distributed in the first hundred days of my presidency okay well that's interesting well what if we look at and see well what's the current rate of vaccine distribution well it's been about a million a day so a hundred days into his presidency at the current rate of distribution will be a hundred million vaccines distributed in his first hundred days. So there isn't actually any change there. He's making a promise based on the current conditions. So of course he's going to deliver on that promise and he's going to take credit for it, even though he had nothing to do with it. All right, number 18, economic relief related to the COVID-19 pandemic. This one is a hot button topic issue right now. I made a video early on. Okay, if you've been with me for a while and you've seen it before, I'm gonna say go back and check it out again. If you've not seen it, maybe I'll, I'll throw it on my uh, recommended option somewhere in this video, okay? Where I talked about the phony, this is so fake, it's all a lie, you actually are the one paying. And the proof of that is everybody who already got support, you're gonna find out here very soon. Some of you maybe already did if you're already filing your taxes. The money that they gave you was your money and it's going to be taken out of what your current, you know, whether you got deductions, whether you got credits, whether you got to get refunds, whatever, that money is going to be deducted from that amount. So it really was your money, but that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is everybody else who got money, that was your money too. And you have to look at the total bill, the total number of the package and figure out how are we actually going to fund that. The taxpayers fund that. Big reminder, super important, government doesn't make money. They take money and give it to other people. The most important part is, what's it gonna cost you in the long run? All right, so now we've got another one for protecting federal workers. And that's interesting where I guess we're not really we're concerned about other folks, but there are more bills about that as well. Number 20 is enabling all qualified Americans to serve their country in uniform. Well, what's your definition of qualified? I know what I want. 
You know, I want somebody who's a good shot. I want somebody who's healthy and strong and can carry another person off the battlefield if they're injured. You know, I want to know that they've actually got the skills that they need to not really just survive, but to also help the other guys survive. You know, like the old movies with the dudes are like, hey, you know, it's the guy on your left and your right. You know, you got to work with everybody. I don't want somebody getting in there, which this is what it's all about, right? It's about the trannies. It's about those who've got the, the dysphoria and the disorder that we don't want to call that anymore. It's so that they can get a chance to get in there and pretend to be G.I. Jane. That's really what they want. The part that slaps me in the face is that it's served. There's nothing serving about that if they're going in there for their own self-gratification. That's not service. Service is humility. I'm putting other people before myself. And if you're going in there saying, no, you have to conform to my ways so that way I get to do what I want and I'm, and the qualifications that were previously described, you know, those things don't matter. What matters is me, myself, my identity, my self-affirmation. There's nothing serving about that. So it's a lie even in its name. 21, ensuring the future is made in all of America by all of America's workers. Well, that sounds like a great, unifying, harmonious name, but uh, I'm sure as we've learned about a lot of these things, they're really good at naming stuff, they're really good at the verbiage, they're really good at controlling language and making things sound like something that they're not. So I'm actually really uh, suspicious of something with a name like that. 22. Reforming our incarceration system to eliminate the use of privately operated criminal detention facilities. There's a huge argument that can be had over this because are there people out there who do it for profit who actually don't care about what the real job is? Things like, you know, preventing reincarceration, recidivism, and, and all the rest of it. I'm sure there are people who, who don't get it, who really just want to make the money, and it's about the profit. No doubt. I'm going to concede that on the forefront. But if you look at the record, of what the federal government does versus what people who actually have to compete for stuff does. Competition pretty much always makes it better. So if we're going to say that the federal government no longer has to compete, well, what's to stop them from being the worst offenders of the very thing you're trying to eliminate with a bill like this one or an executive order like this one? Number 23, establishing the president's council of advisors on science and technology. Okay, so now the president needs a council specifically on science and technology. Well, that could be very interesting. Uh, what we're going to see come out of that. But now we got, you know, more special set, more bureaucrats, more more elites, you know, the, the upper class now who are going to have the president's ear to try to guide him in the ways of science and technology. I'm sure there will be no favoritism there, right? Note the sarcasm. Number 24, Tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad. This is all in the first week. I haven't made it a week yet. And again, we already know about the their definition of a crisis and how accurate it is. And I already said the climate situation is not settled. It's not agreed on. You can go and find lots of people, lots of studies, lots of evidence to point out. This is, again, referencing the hubris, the arrogance. We're going to fix the planet Amazing. Strengthening Medicaid and Affordable Care. Uh, you can see where that's going to go. That's basically saying we're going to put force the government and taxpayers to continue to subsidize more and more people in cahoots with the insurance companies. Because again, they are, are relieved of liability when the government comes in and defines what they do and don't have to do, what the rules are and what the rules aren't. And again, we're eliminating competition because now all of them have to fit the same uniform thing. So it drives down the quality in the long run. Preserving forward fighting uh, and deferred action for childhood arrivals. So this is basically DACA number two. Well, I don't think I need to explain it, honestly. Condemning and combating racism. 
Not just that, though. It's got a whole list. Xenophobia, intolerance, intolerance against Asian Americans, and the Pacific Islanders in the United States, which is hilarious that they do this at the same time certain school boards are also reallocating people who are of Asian descent and putting them in the same category as the white folk, which I thought, wait a minute, weren't white people like the worst people? So why would you take another minority and just throw them in that group? Well, maybe because they actually were the biggest argument against the whole idea of white privilege because we had somebody who wasn't white who was getting all sorts of success, so we had to find a way to reallocate them. But now the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing because we're going to find some way to punish people for xenophobia and for racism and intolerance against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Tribal consultation and strengthening nation-to-nation -nation relationships because the idea that America first under Trump's control was just such an offensive thing. Never mind the fact that he was like a celebrity and he actually went out there and did a lot of good. The guy's not getting a peace prize because he negotiated all those deals with respect to Israel. Uh, no, we're going to give the peace prize to BLM and to Stacey Abrams because of all the significant they did, all the work that they did here in the U.S., burning down the country so that way we'd understand the, the importance of race relationships between law enforcement and the local community and because of all the work for voters' rights. Those things are way more important than actually stopping and preventing wars, okay? But that's what they're going to do, and this is what they're their plans are now we're going to strengthen the relationships we're going to go out there and all of that populism all of that america first we're just so sorry that we actually try to take care of our own people we need to continue sending money to other countries so that way they can get the same kind of gender identity studies and the lesbian dance theory and all of that other nonsense that we propagate here we got to continue to propagate that stuff in other countries because again where is the arrogance where is the hubris really it is actually with these people you want to know what they're actually up to you just got to look and see, what are they picking on you for? What are they accusing somebody else of? What are they suggesting somebody else might do? Let me give you a real hit home example. Just happened, this whole nonsense with GameStop stock. And uh, the head fund managers that were so offended that people, just local, common, lower and lower class, quote unquote, you know, the people who weren't a part of their 1% elite ruling class could actually use some of the same strategies that they use little dollar amounts, the reason I'm saying it like that, I'm saying it like that, and turn it into profit for themselves in the stock market, just like everybody else does, all the hedge fund, all the Wall Street, K Street, all of those folks who really don't care about any of the people on Main Street. They're telling you you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi on the 24th bought $1.2 million in electric car stock. And it's just, why? Why would she do that? She's just suddenly decided now it's time. Not that we haven't been propagating the need for alternative sources of energy and how important electric cars are. So she buys $1.2 million on the 24th and on the 25th. What? does he do? What does the president do? Another executive order that is actually going to require one of these part of these federal uh, modernizing programs is that we're going to have the all federal vehicles are going to be electric cars. Every How many cars is that? Can you imagine? But I guarantee you, that's a lot of stinking vehicles. And now we're saying electric. Oh, I guess then the people who are part of this group of elites who are deciding things like this, they're allowed to make sure that they make big bucks on that, but you're not allowed to make sure that you make big bucks on the internet. Rules for them that don't apply to you. It's a completely, totally different set because they're the elites, they're the smart set, they're the ones who are in control, and they're going to fix everything, and they're going to fix you by making sure that you comply with what they say. This is what's going on today.
And I'm just going to encourage people to continue to be informed. This information is not being circulated very much. So you're going to have to do what you can to find out what it is. And then you're also going to have to take some time to prayer. And you're going to have to take some time for thought and meditation and consider what's the right way to handle stuff like this. It's very important. We just can't just sit back and just get steamrolled. Uh, we're going to have to find a way to respond. So, you know, don't do BLM. Don't do Antifa. Don't go burn down your neighborhood. That's silly. But maybe you could rally all of your friends, rally your neighborhood, rally your city, get a whole massive group of people together and say, no, uh, I did a big podcast about that one in July of last year. All about the no. We need to say a lot of no and uh, defend what's left. Otherwise, you're not going to have it. You're just not. It's going to be gone. And I think we're looking at the time of that right now. That all the things that we, the battles we should have been fighting before, the, the resistance we should have put up before, and now there's just the biggest assault that ever was. They're telling you how to spend your money. They're telling you how to earn your money. They're telling you what you can own, what you can't own. They're telling you what you can say, what you can't say. Pretty soon it's going to be what you can think and what you can't think. So, uh, before it's too late, which maybe it already is, but you got to at least do something so that we don't look back and go, what if? So there it is. That's what I wanted to share with you guys today, though. So uh, and this isn't even a whole list, by the way, that I couldn't find the whole list. There's more than I read to you that's currently being done. They're going after everything, just like we all said that they were going to, and they're not playing around. They're in a hurry to get it all done, which means you don't have a lot of time left if you're going to respond, which I hope that you will. And I hope that you'll come back for more content, and I hope that you'll share it with others. Again, my name is Dave, and this is Right All Week, and this is where we talk about what's right, how it's right, and why it matters. <music>